Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to A to Z Sports powered by that BetMGM app. You can use the code ATOZ200 today in the NBA. We'll talk about that more later on, but I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Uh, make sure you always follow us on social media as we are Nashville's on-demand sports talk network going live weekday mornings at eight central time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, also find links to the show on our Twitter timeline segment by segment on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram and TikTok for more Titans coverage as well. We do have to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for us and they help out you guys like Wilson County Hyundai. Find the right ride for you and make Wilson County Hyundai a part of that process in Lebanon or WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Farm Bureau Health Plans, get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans. It's better coverage rates and service. Learn more about a health plan for you, FBHP.com slash ATOZ. Uh, Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers, the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, uh, Hughes and Coleman is where to go for a free case consultation on uh, if you've been injured in a car accident. So check them out, 800-800-4600. And the Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. By the way, uh, Zach, uh, tomorrow, that's Wednesday, at 12.30 Central Time, Sam and I uh, will talk to the Bone and Joint Institute, uh, Dave Kempfert, who is the lead PT at the Bone and Joint Institute, about all of the Titans injuries and a comment that Mike Vrabel made last week in his season ending press conference about injuries and rehab. And so we'll go through that situation with uh, the bone and joint Institute. So that's Wednesday at 1230 central time. But Zach yesterday, before we dive into the NFL playoff trend, uh, another one of the Titans GM candidates got hired for a different position. So we'll show you that update here. Initially, Ian Rappaport uh, reported that Titans' Monty Austinfort is going to Arizona as the new Cardinals general manager. Uh, he was the play, director of player personnel with the Titans over the last three years. He interviewed with the Titans last Thursday for the Titans GM job, but he takes the Arizona Cardinals GM job, and as Mike Herndon has here, down to six confirmed candidates. Ryan Cowden interviewed last Thursday, as did Rand Carthen and Glenn Cook. Ian Cunningham and Quentin Harris interviewed over the weekend. And today, Malik Boyd of the Bills will interview for the Titans GM job. So uh, what do you think off the bat? I mean, there's a lot of questions that I have on Monty Austinfort interviewing for the Titans job, but taking the Cardinals job. And I just don't think we can have the answers for all the questions that I might have that could pop up with this situation. No, well, look, that had been a trend. He had interviewed for general manager jobs in the last couple of years, so he'd had that experience. He was lower on the totem pole, as you say, uh, when it comes to you know what the Titans structure was. So he had to go for greener pastures in Arizona to try to fix that monstrosity. I mean, it's an uphill climb that he's got in Arizona, especially in the division that they play in. But look, it's a good opportunity for him. He had he had kind of 
you know, over the last couple of years, from what I have heard, well-respected around the facility, super nice guy. And we're going to find out what he can do in Arizona and if it was a missed opportunity for the Titans. But as you as you just showed the graphic, the Titans have plenty of candidates that they've been interviewing to find the right person. You now are down to one in-house guy. We talked about in-house or out-of-house. Both yeah. of us have picked out-of-house of what the direction the Titans need to go to maybe get some fresh blood in St. Thomas Sports Park to work and collaborate, but also combat a little bit with Mike Vrabel to make the right decisions to move this franchise in the right direction. So I assume it's Tuesday. I assume we'll probably have an answer by the uh, for the general manager here by the end of the week, early next week. I think that's probably the timetable because they're interviewing offensive coordinators. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much going on, mm-hmm. but the Titans soon have to figure out what direction that they are going to go. Are they yep. going to rebuild, retool, reset, go after a championship? I mean, there's so many different things that they've got to figure out, and it starts with the general manager. Sure, and you know, so I see here Billy says that Austin Fort probably knew he wasn't going to get the Titans job. Again, that's one of those questions that we don't have the ability to know the answer of. Is it is this the Titans interviewed their in-house candidates and decided that they wanted fresh blood? Is this the Titans uh, losing out on a good candidate with Monty Austin Fort because the the Cardinals are ready to to strike and jump uh, to hire somebody? So there's you know there's uh, you know again a lot of questions that we just simply can't answer. Uh, right now when it comes to Monty Austin Fort going to the Arizona Cardinals. But uh, there is Boyd, who is interviewing, will be the seventh uh, interviewer uh, for the Titans GM job, and that's happening today at St. Thomas Sports Park. So, Zach, let's go ahead and dive into the lead topic of today's show, and that is the trend in the NFL playoffs the Titans are on the wrong side of. And so with the Cowboys... Uh, beating the Bucks last night, uh, Mike McCarthy gets to the divisional round and Todd Bowles goes home. Todd Bowles, a defensive-minded head coach, Mike McCarthy, an offensive-minded head coach that gives us this picture right here. And Warren Sharp tweeted this out, remaining playoff head coaches and their backgrounds. Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, offense. Andy Reid in KC, Offense, Brian Dable with the Giants. Offense, Nick Sirianni in Philly. Offense, Zach Taylor with Cincy. Offense, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Defense, uh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Offense, and Kyle Shanahan in San Fran. Offensive, so Mike Vrabel right there on the screen uh, with a handful of offensive guys. And then uh, Sean McDermott of Buffalo being the lone defensive guy. But at seven of the eight remaining playoff head coaches, are offensive-minded guys. So, Zach, uh, your initial reaction to Warren Sharp's uh, observation after the Cowboys advanced last night? Well, my first word, one word is trend, right? That has been the trend of the NFL in the hiring process. So you're kind of omitting, and I don't know the exact stats of offense to defensive-minded head coaches throughout what the percentage is for all 32 teams. But what I do know is, Let's just take a look at the last three Super Bowls. Both offensive-minded head coach. You had Sean McVay and Zach Taylor last year. Boom, offense, offense. The year before that, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, Mm offensive-minded, went up against KC and Andy Reid, offensive-minded. The year before that, I mean, it just goes on and on. Patrick Mahomes, he won the, uh, the, the Super Bowl against Kyle Shanahan 
and the offensive-minded head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. So the winning teams and losing teams of the Super Bowl the last at least three years, it probably goes back further than that, mm -hmm. of it has been offensive-minded head, head coaches, and this is a thing, you know, because you look around, you all, but here, to the contrary, you have Sean McDermott, who, you know, the Bills were the favorite to win the Super Bowl heading into the season. Now, that has gone up and down. They are not the number one seed in the AFC. And so they are going to have a tough matchup this weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals. They have been to multiple AFC champ or been to an AFC championship game last year. So like it hasn't been that they haven't had success, but I do think that there is something to this. There's a lot of offense in the yeah. NFL and that's what's leading in the playoffs as we speak. Let's let's expand and include the playoff wild card losers, right? The Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, offensive. The Chargers with Brandon Staley. He is an offensive-minded guy. He played a quarterback in college. Then you've got the Vikings with O'Connell, offensive. Then you've got a couple special teams backgrounds with Harbaugh in Baltimore and Pete Carroll. Uh, with the Seattle Seahawks before you go back to Todd Bowles being defensive. So if you want to take all 14 head coaches that were in the playoffs, 10 of them offensive, two special teams, two defense. That's that's a pretty lopsided ratio when it comes to offensive-minded head coaches. And so the Titans are on the wrong side of this, one, because they are not in the playoffs, missing the playoffs for the first time in four years uh, under Mike Vrabel. Uh, and then, obviously, Mike Vrabel is a defensive-minded head coach. He was a, a high-level uh, Pro Bowl, All-Pro linebacker and Super Bowl champion throughout his playing days and then worked his way through, through being a position coach at Ohio State up to the Texans and then one year of being a defensive coordinator with the Texans before becoming the Titans head coach over the last five years. So let's ask this question right now, Zach. Seven of the eight remaining NFL playoff coaches are offensive-minded. Seven of the eight remaining. Is that something or is that nothing? So seven of the eight are offensive-minded. Is that something or is that nothing? We'll get to your comments here in a second. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you get hurt in life, you have to know who to go to and who to trust, that is the Bone & Joint Institute in Franklin, right off I-65 and Murfreesboro Road, super easy to get to. You can all see it from the interstate. And like I mentioned earlier, tomorrow, that's Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Central Time, Sam Phelan and I will talk with Dave Kempfert of the Bone & Joint Institute, who's their lead physical therapist, about the injury situations the Titans have had over the last couple of years based off of Mike Rabel's comments a week ago. So get ready for that. Bookmark that. Set your alarms for 12.30 p.m. Central on Wednesday. That's tomorrow with the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org. It is eSports. We are powered by BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. I won some big money last night on the Cowboys. Double bet. I had a same-game parlay, and I had Moneyline Cowboys, and it was in hand quite a bit, so thank you, BetMGM. Use the promo code ATOZ200 today. $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA team to win $200 in free bets when a three-pointer is hit in that game. So you're talking about 
Big time money right here for new users. ATOZ200. Download the app today. All right. So the question we're asking right now is that we just went over it. I'll show the graphic once again. Is that seven of the eight remaining coaches in the playoffs have offensive backgrounds. Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Brian Dayball, Nick Sirianni, uh, Zach Taylor, Mike McCarthy, and Kyle Shanahan. The only remaining non-offensive background head coach in the NFL is uh, Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. Uh, so the question that we've asked everybody, and Zach, I'll send you to the chat here, is it something or is it nothing? Seven of the last eight. Uh, Connor says something. Mr. says nothing. Mr. Cloud says something. Uh, and Mr. Jones, I'm just going to address Mr. Jones because he's he's driving me nuts. He's sitting there saying that the NFL is scripted. It's a WWE. If you love the WWE, go watch old Hell in a Cell for Mankind and Undertaker. Uh, but the NFL is not scripted. You may, uh, you may think that is the case, but it is not the case. Anything can happen. If it was scripted, I don't think that they would have uh, had the situation they had at the end of the year. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they don't want them in the playoffs. That's not – that doesn't help the NFL. So there's a lot of things that have gone on. So, Mr. Jones, I say clam it up. Eric says something. Dom says something. Ronnie says something. Nothing at all from Guy. Brad says something. Tighten up says something. So does Andre. So does Steven. So does Big Ten Jeff. So does Tiffany. So does Steven. I mean, there's a lot of somethings rolling through, including Deborah. Uh, Throne says nothing. Basin says nothing. Something from Titans Kyle. The numbers say it's definitely something from Chris Head. Something from Karen. Nothing from NB. You know, nothing from Roy. Overall, I definitely, Darren says nothing. You need talent. Just don't have it. Talking about the Titans. So what do you think, Austin? Is this something or nothing that seven out of the eight remaining coaches, head coaches in the NFL, are offensive-minded and the one lone wolf is just Sean McDermott from the Bills? So I absolutely think it's something. Uh, it's, it's, and I, it's, it's definitely not nothing. Like The fact that I just mentioned 10 out of the 14 playoff head coaches or offensive backgrounds, and then you have two special teams and two defensive backgrounds who are head coaches, and the two special teams guys are Pete Carroll um, and then also uh, John Harbaugh, who have been around for a long time uh, as NFL head coaches and have kind of you know grown beyond what their background was uh, there. So I, it's absolutely something here because of what the league is going towards. We all know the league is adapting rules to protect the offense, to create more points and to make the job harder on the defense because they need the eyeballs uh, and more points equals more eyeballs. And so defense is still very important, but it's absolutely something here. And the continuity aspect of this is why I think it's important is because now Mike Vrabel is about to have his sixth different offensive coordinator um, I'm sorry, his fourth different offensive coordinator going into his sixth year as Titans head coach once they hire the new one. It's hard for whoever the quarterback is and whoever uh, the coordinator and the team is to have that continuity year after year rolling forward because you're constantly having to evolve and hit a somewhat of a reset button when it comes to the play caller there. So having an offensive-minded head coach 
keeps continuity with your quarterback and your play caller a little bit longer rather than having a defensive head coach. Because if you've got a defensive head coach that the Titans have, then you either have a good offensive coordinator who gets an opportunity as a head coach or a bad offensive coordinator who holds your team back and gets fired and you start the process over with a new guy either way. And the Titans are a great example of that. It's absolutely something here. So I'm going to say it's something for different reasons. You're going to say continuity. I'm going to say another word. It's development. That's the reason why it's something. Look at where we are. Look at the head coaches. Here's just an overview of of who's left to go in the playoffs. As a preview, you've got all of these teams. Look at the quarterbacks. You've got Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, development. You've got uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Andy uh, Reid, development. You've got Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, development. Jalen Hurts and what he's been able to do with Nick Sirianni, development. Doug Peterson with Trevor Lawrence, development. These are developing. Even Kellen Moore with Dak Prescott and how long that they've had. That goes to your continuity part. Yeah. But overall, it's developing young quarterbacks. If Mike Vrabel, and I'm going to give you an example. If Mike Vrabel comes and hires a great offensive coordinator, and let's just say in this ifs and buts, beer and nuts scenario, trades up and drafts Bryce Young. Maybe drafts C.J. Stroud. Maybe drafts your boy Will Levis. I don't know. But if if they decide to go on a young quarterback, whoever is going to develop that quarterback is going to be gone in three years. That That is the timetable. And then it is going to be a rinse and repeat. And as you've seen, as you mentioned before, the water is going to run dry before you've got to go to the water source and refill. We've seen that. You're going to get some bad water. You've gotten bad water a couple of times. And, you know, you just fired bad water with Todd Downing. You had good water with Arthur Smith. He's hired away. I think Matt LaFleur got hired for other reasons. I don't think it was because he was an offensive coordinator that was just blowing the doors down with Marcus Mariota his one year. Matt LaFleur, yeah, Matt LaFleur did not get hired as the Packers head coach because of his one year in Nashville. It was because of his previous years under McVay and the Shanahan system. But if you hire guys like Matt LaFleur at that point in his career, their career, they're going to get hired away. So this is the development of a young quarterback that is taking over the league. I'll just list the young quarterbacks. You've got Trevor Lawrence. You've got Daniel Jones, and I didn't mention Daniel Daniel Jones and Brian Dable. And the development this year, you have, I mean, we've witnessed it. It is night and day from years prior of Daniel Jones. You also have Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. You've got uh, you've got Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, or fit in whoever, whatever quarterback you want (laughs) to, right? right? That it's the development, and that's the reason why this is something. And Austin, I do think it's a concern looking forward because this carousel or merry-go-round or whatever carnival ride that you want to pick out, it's not going to stop with defensive-minded Mike Vrabel because he doesn't have the quarterback. Sean McDermott has the luxury of having Josh Allen. Mike Vrabel doesn't have that luxury. And until he does, I think you're going to go – to the carnies and the clown show, and it's just going to be a circle. I mean, yeah. you, you're going to be trying to get tickets for stuffed animals, and that's not how you win Super Bowls. For sure. So, Zach, I, 
somebody in, in the comments uh, mentioned that, but you've got, uh, you know, the Bills. Like, what about Sean McDermott and the Bills? They've been able to develop uh, Josh Allen over the last couple of years with a uh, with a defensive-minded head coach. So I'm going to go through exactly why that was allowed to happen. And then, Zach, I want to ask you a question to put your sales hat on to do a good job for us uh, after uh, I go through that. But first, tell us all about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Yeah, FBHP.com is where to go to get your new health plan. I got my new health plan at the beginning of 2022. I'm carrying it over into 2023 because it is a dynamic health plan. It helps me in many different ways. Better service, better coverage, better rates. It gives me all three and it can give you all three by just going to FBHP.com slash A to Z, 200 plus locations across the state, health, dental, and vision. I get allowances for my contacts. I've talked about that. I get free teledoc conferences when I'm sick. That comes with my plan. Switch today. That's Farm Bureau Health Plans of Tennessee. All right. Also, don't forget, I've also got some breaking news when it comes to the Titans uh, coaching staff here in a second. But also, don't forget with BetMGM, uh, download the BetMGM app. And today, use code ATOZ200. That's ATOZ200. You put a $10 Moneyline wager down on any NBA team to win the night. So that's any NBA team playing tonight to win the game. $10 on that money line, and you're going to get 200 bucks in free bets when a single three-point shot is hit in that game. Like, that's the, the easiest the easiest $200 that you're going to ever find with a BetMGM app. So, again, you use the code ATOZ200, a $10 money line wager on any NBA team to win tonight gets you 200 bucks when a single three-point shot is made in that game. So visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 or is the only new customer offer. All promotions, social qualification, eligible requirements. Rewards issued with knowledge of for bets. For bets expiring seven days. For problem game sport, call Tennessee Redline 800-889-9789. So Zach, I'm going to ask you a question and go through the bill situation. But I did see this uh, coming in from Diana Rossini. That the Cleveland Browns plan to hire Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator per sources. Schwartz, Schwartz won a Super Bowl with the Eagles as the DC in 2017 uh, and beat out, you know, some other guys for the job in Cleveland. But so now, you know, next season, if this comes to fruition and Schwartz is the DC for the Browns, now we're going to know, uh, you know, how much is Shane Bowen actually doing and how much was Jim Schwartz doing over the last couple of years with the defense being uh, a lot more improved than before. So Zach, uh, who did you see more? Here's a quick question. Who did yeah. you see more, Jim Schwartz or Tim Kelly? <laughs> um, Trick question. Neither. <laughs> I actually, my answer was Tim Kelly because uh, he worked with the tight ends who are right next to the media sideline. <laughs> Jim Schwartz was in the center of fields where you can't even get close to him. So that's my answer there. But Zach, the reason why the Buffalo Bills were able to develop. Uh, Josh Allen with a defensive minded head coach is because Brian Dable stayed a lot longer than most expected him to right. Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo bills for Josh Allen's first four years. And really when it took off year three and year four. So most expected Brian Dable to take a head coaching job a year earlier than he did. We expected that Brian Dable would go after the 2020 season when Josh Allen threw 37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. 
but he stayed. And Josh Allen followed that up with 36 touchdowns and 15 picks in 2021. And then the Bills were able to get their plan set with Ken Dorsey to have another big year this year. And the Bills were able to prepare that plan long-term. And Brian Dayball waited. Arthur Smith didn't wait. His first opportunity after his second year as a coordinator, he was out to the Atlanta Falcons, right? He was scheduling a, an interview with the Jags hours after the Titans playoff game against the Ravens in Nissan Stadium. Arthur Smith was as good as gone because of how they struck lightning in that 2020 season. Brian Dable stayed, which allowed Josh Allen to develop. So that is why the Bills are the actual outlier in what this stat shows. Brian Dable did the Bills a solid favor by waiting an extra year. So anything to respond to that before I ask you this question? Well, it's kind of like Eric Bieniemy being with the Kansas City Chiefs for as long as he have. It's the same thing. And yeah. who has been dominating the AFC over the last several years? The Buffalo oh. Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and we'll see what happens with Eric Bieniemy because his contract is up uh, after this playoff run with the Chiefs and something will have to happen. And he hasn't gotten that offer that we know of to become uh, a head coach. So Zach, here's the question I was going to ask you with your sales hat on. What's your best case you can make for hiring a defensive minded head coach in today's NFL? Cause the Titans did that in 2018. And this trend was already going in 2018 when the Titans made that hire. What, what's the best case you can make for hiring an, a defensive-minded head coach in today's NFL? Well, I think it's the state of the franchise. I think you can justify your defensive-minded head coach if you're in the dumps, if you're at the bottom to get you to a certain point. Dan Campbell is the example, right? Look what the Detroit Lions did and what he has brought out of that team. Because defense is about tough physicality. But here's the hard part, Austin, is that the rules don't lend itself to the defense anymore. It lends itself to the offense. And you got to kind of get lucky. You got to kind of get lucky with two things. As we've mentioned, you got to get lucky with the quarterback and drafting your guy or uh, – either drafting your guy and getting lucky or finding a veteran quarterback like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers where he is your offensive coach, right? That can fill the gap. We've seen that happen. But defense is a culture-type position. That's what you have to come in. And to be honest, Mike Vrabel was hired because John Robinson was continuing to change the Titans' culture of what it was. So that was one of the reasons why Mike Vrabel was hired by John Robinson. But that would be my only justification to come in there. The state of your franchise has got to be completely retooled and redone because you don't have the right players, roster, or front office to come in and flip it on its head because that's usually when it fails. Now, it doesn't always work. We saw Matt Patricia try the same thing that Dan Campbell try, is trying and maybe being more successful. And Matt Patricia, I don't what do you call him? A defensive head coach or an offensive coordinator or some, you know, somewhere in between? A, a, a joke is what you call Matt Patricia. So that's what I would say. The argument for a defensive-minded head coach in today's football would have to be for a completely bottom-up type performance from a head coach to change what the 
franchise wants to represent, but I also think that it's only a matter of time because of the coaching turnover in the NFL in general before his axis can or his asses can. So let me uh, let me ask you this follow up to that. Then why the Titans hire Mike Vrabel when the primary focus of that hire was to quote maximize Marcus Mariota? Again, I, I put you on the spot. I think that this was is, a lie. I, I don't think is, that. I don't and, think look, it was. I, I've already stated why okay. they hired Mike Vrabel. John Robinson. He was young in his general manager tenure. He wanted to find his guy. He felt like Mike Vrabel fit the rhetoric that John Robinson was saying when even before Mike Vrabel was walked in the door. Tough, smart, physical. That type of team, Mike Vrabel came from that school of thought. So he hired Mike Vrabel because of that. It wasn't had anything to do with the development of Marcus Mariota. Uh, yeah, but don't, again, let you, don't let him fool you. Nah, read man. between the lines. No, I like I, I'm, but I'm I'm just going back because I think both of us were at that introductory press conference when uh, Mike Vrabel was being introduced as the head coach and maximize Marcus Mariota was a catchphrase along with the tough team first uh, type of well, attitude. They were going to try to. What we found out is that. The maximum, the maximum of Marcus Mariota is not good enough. So sure. they they couldn't do it, right? Regardless and, and, of who the coach was, because others have tried. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that was not, I'm not trying to, because again, Mike Vrabel has been a great head coach for the Tennessee Titans. But I think we're understanding what the NFL is doing, and that with a defensive minded head coach, there will be more turnover with your offensive play caller. And that will at some point burn you because it didn't burn the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel until the third offensive coordinator was hired. And now the, he was fired. And now the fourth offensive coordinator is going to be hired. Do you go back and find an Arthur Smith that works? Or do you find another Todd Downing that doesn't? And what are you doing after that? Because I think another key thing to defending and making, um, the case for a defensive minded head coach is also a veteran quarterback. Like you said, right? Because we know veteran quarterbacks can handle a lot of what the maybe inexperienced play caller, offensive coordinator, or that turnover could become right. Mike Tomlin is a defensive minded head coach in Pittsburgh, but always great and still all is pretty damn good for as much turnover as the Steelers have had the last couple of years, but it worked because Ben Roethlisberger was there for umpteen years. And so you, there, there was that continuity there. And so now the bills, now that Josh Allen has been elevated to pro bowl, all pro status at quarterback, the bills are set with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Now that he is becoming that veteran type guy, but the Titans are stuck in a tough spot because the veteran quarterback is 34 years old and coming off of an ankle surgery that cost him the rest of his season. And they're looking for a brand new play caller for the third time in that veteran quarterback's tenure. And Mike Vrabel has a second year quarterback, Malik Willis and an 11th overall pick where you might be looking quarterback at, you know, there's a lot of weird spots right here with where the Titans are at. Well, their veteran quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, has a low ceiling. 
his, his ceiling is not high enough to mask the deficiencies of what we're talking about. Right. I, I don't want to jump the gun because it's January 17th, but I know exactly what I think the Titans should do this offseason, how they should approach it. And I've thought this way, honestly, ever since the season ended. I, I've, and I haven't disclosed it because we got to, you know, got to see what happens. I'd like yeah. to know what the general manager is first before I come out and say what I think. I will eventually tell everybody what I thought or what I still continue to think. But I do, I have waited to form a full opinion mm-hmm. based on not knowing who the new GM is because I think that's a huge piece of what, what I think they could do. But I, I think if I was getting hired, I would have my solution to the Titans problem. And I want to I want to say this. Kevin brings up leader of men was the tagline during that search, talking mm-hmm. about uh, John Robinson and, and Mike Vrabel. And I think Kevin brings up a very, very good point yeah. of the directive of the hire. The directive of the Giants hire last year was to help Daniel Jones. That was not in any way, shape, or form what John Robinson was trying to do to that football team at the time when hiring Mike Vrabel. I mean, so look, hindsight's always 2020. 2020. You look back, you can look at you know the history. I, we we know more than we know now. All those other BS cliches. But the fact of the matter is, is your team and your new general manager, whoever it is, needs to come in in that press conference and state his directive very clearly of what his job for this franchise is moving forward. That's sure. something I'm going to have my ear open, whoever they hire. No, absolutely. A to Z Sports, you're live on this Tuesday. we got sports trivia coming up, but we got another trend the Titans are uh, in the wrong spot of. How about this, guys? Let's let's think about this. The Titans have lost to seven of the eight remaining teams uh, this season. So here's the graphic that Zach flashed up there earlier. Seven of the eight teams uh, remaining, the Titans have played and lost to them, and they lost to the Jags twice. So that's eight L's up there on that graphic. So eight of the 10 Titans losses came to divisional round playoff teams. And the other two losses, the Chargers, who lost to the Jags in wildcard weekend, and then the Texans, where if you look back at it, man, uh, that loss to the Texans allowed the Texans to not get the first overall pick. So maybe the right move, playing chess uh, right there. So, uh, So let's ask this question. The Titans lost to seven of the last eight remaining teams. Is that something or nothing? So back-to-back something or nothings here today on the show. But first, let me tell you guys about Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers, the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. And if you've been injured in a car wreck, go to Hughes and Coleman for a free case consultation uh, to help you get every dollar you deserve from that car accident. Their phone number is as easy as it gets. It's 800 800 4,600, a free case consultation if you've been injured in a car wreck because Hughes & Coleman has recovered over $1 billion for their clients across the state of Tennessee and in Kentucky, and we'll do the same thing for you. That's Hughes & Coleman Injury Lawyers, principal office in Nashville, Tennessee. It is these sports. We are powered by BetMGM. Download the app today. Use the code ATOZ200 for a $10 Moneyline wager on any 
NBA team to win $200 in free bets when a three-pointer is hit in that game for new users. So that's A-T-O-Z 200, all one word, no spaces, right there in the promo code. Download the app today and win some money. All right, so Zach, the question here, is it something or nothing that the Titans have lost to seven of the eight remaining teams, the Jags twice, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Giants, and Eagles, and Cowboys, that uh, eight of the ten losses and seven of the eight teams remaining are di- losses to divisional round teams. Is it something or nothing? You're you're laughing. What's the chat making you say? Well, I'm, I'm laughing because, uh, you know, the realization of Kirk and how not to <laughs> is something that we I, I said long before Mariota moved on is that guy sucked. He wasn't very good. Uh, he had his moments, but not enough moments uh, to compile uh, – a starting job consistently in the NFL. I think that was realized again this year in Atlanta. Anthony says that it's something. Jason also says that it's something. Bama Brad says nothing. Something from Steven. Mike says something. Jamel says something. Nate says something. Pistol says nothing. Look at the dang roster. What could they do? Major something from Brad, though, but nothing coming in from Alex. Weren't built to win this year. A couple of somethings coming in from Jared and Connor, and Ian, as well as MB. But Robert says nothing. Knew they were bad this year. The offense couldn't do anything, and the defense was injured. Every other year, the Titans have had a good record against conference leaders. And Robert brings that point up, and yeah. that is that is true. They played well against those, sure. those division winners, whether it's beating Kansas City, or whether it's beating Buffalo. They, you know, they, they performed well at times against some of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, New England back in the day. Remember that home game uh, with David Flewellen back in the Ooh, Dave Flewellen hadn't heard that when, name when, when Derek Henry's career flashed before his eyes. And so did David Flewellen's when his <laughs> hurt his knee and then he never really played again. <laughs> so Austin, what do you think? Is this something or nothing that the Titans losses have come to a lot of playoff teams? Oh, it, it's absolutely something. I mean, how could it not be something? Well, I'll not, tell you here in a second. Well, but. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> look, again, I am not making excuses for the Titans losing 10 games this season. But when you win your division, you play a harder schedule. When you win your division and you play a harder schedule and you continue to be the most injured football team in football history, you're going to lose to good teams. So it's, it's something to me, right? Now, the Jags got a lot better. Those are two of the losses there. The Cowboys, are a good football team, and the Eagles were a transformed team from last year. And so, and you played the NFC East that was uh, was miles. The NFC East has three divisional teams remaining, and before last year had been the worst division in football. And so, you got them on their uptick. So again, like when you're banged up, and somebody mentioned there's 23 guys on injured reserve. And we all know the millions and millions of dollars that are on IR for the Titans and we're on IR for most of the season for the Titans. When you play a tough schedule and you have your best players unavailable due to injury, you're going to lose more games than you win. And the Titans were seven and 10. They lost more games than they won. And clearly they were bad. Oh, and nine against playoff teams. Once you include the chargers in there. So yeah, that's it makes complete sense to me. It's absolutely something. I think it's nothing because I think that 
they were a bad football team at the end and they lost to bad football. They lost to the, the Jags. They had that game in hand. The Jags had not caught their momentum yet at home in Nashville. The Texans were a bad football team. You, they lost to multiple bad football teams. They just could not put it together. So regardless of the competition, and look, the two close, you, you talk about the Commanders and the Raiders, in which you argued earlier in the year that they shouldn't have won those games, at least the Raiders, well, yeah, not no, necessarily the no, Commanders. No, no, both so of them. Both it of it them. doesn't That's, matter. They were no, a bad team. They no, were losing yeah. to good and bad teams at late in the year. Yeah, but again, you could also say that if Randy Bullock makes a an insanely makeable kick, then they beat the Giants in Week One, who are playing on uh, the weekend for the division round, right? Like, so yes, the Raiders, the Giants, the Raiders, and the Commanders game all came down to the very last type of play where Randy Bullock missed a kick against the Giants, and then you had uh, interceptions and tor- turnovers forced by the Titans' defense. Um, against the Raiders and the Commanders. So, yeah, I mean, of course, that's the NFL for you. That's why it's nothing. I I, th- I think it's something. <laughs> you, you just told, you just said why it is nothing. I'm trying to get my camera. There, there we go. I had to get my camera refocused. So I had to get really close to the screen. But, no, I, I think, no, it's still something. It, it, it makes sense. They, to were gonna, they lost to good and bad teams. They lost to the Texans. They should have never lost to the Texans. Right. Why they lose to the Texans, though? Good question. Because they were absolutely hurt. Like, they, again, like, I'm not... It's the not Texans? Nothing. Zach, the Titans were 0-9 against playoff teams. And if you look at uh, that record, then they're 7-1 and against non-playoff teams. They beat... The only bad team they lost to was the Texans with Malik Willis making his last What start. about the Jags game, though? The Jags game, they rushed for 90-plus yards in the first quarter. They had that game in hand, and then they messed it up. Yeah, they turned... Yeah, yeah That's I know. their fault. That's why, I, it's, Zach, that's I, why I, this I, doesn't matter who you play. Zach, I... I'm not like, I think you're, I think you're like miss receiving what I'm trying to say. Like the grand scope, it's something it's um, like individual games go how they go. Right. Yeah. They beat the Raiders because Kevin Byard, one of the best players made the play in the end zone for the interception to seal it. David Long Jr. Made an insanely good play on the goal line to intercept Carson Wentz. David Long Jr. Is a great player. My David Long Jr. Is, regardless of the teams down the stretch, they were going to fail. That's why? my. That's why it's nothing. He, right down the it stretch. doesn't matter if they're a playoff game or not a playoff. Zach, team. down the stretch, they had nobody healthy that actually besides Kevin Byard. That's all well and good, but that's why it's nothing. It didn't matter. You talk about I, play. I, that's why you're asking me what this represents, right? Is as, this something? Yeah, or yeah this is a bigger that's what picture. I'm saying. Thing. That's what I'm saying. It represents nothing to me based on I thought that they were going to lose to whatever team that they played against because. You can you could argue because of their injuries. You could argue because they weren't mentally focused. They were at a crossroads. They weren't putting enough work. I mean, we've heard we heard all of those scenarios. Whether it was a distraction from DUI Downing, whether they were distracted by the firing of John Robinson. My point is, it did not matter what team that they played, whether they were a playoff team or not a playoff team. That's why it's nothing. Okay, so I think we both had the same reasoning, but I, you say it's nothing. I say it's something because that makes sense to me. That they played good teams. They played a lot of games against playoff teams. But they lost to bad teams too. One. They lost to a bad team. The Jags were not a good team at that juncture. Yes. No, they weren't. Wrong. 
they were incorrect. A, they were False. absolutely trending. I, I don't up. know what to, exactly. to tell you. False. Do you know the record of the Jags at that game? I want to say it was five and eight or four and eight. They're four and eight. They're not a good team. Don't sit there and say that the Jags were a good team when they played the Titans. They were four and freaking eight. All right. All right. So, so the, but, but okay. you can't argue that. Okay. But again, they still won a playoff. But again, game. you but, they weren't a good team. They were four and eight. The, the, that's my I, point. And 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 I think literally that game was the two ships passing in the middle of the day, right? Like it wasn't passing at night. It was two ships passing in the middle of the day because the Jags were going upwards and the Titans were just crashing. Well, that and, no, yeah, that was the catalyst. You talk about turning point in the year. It yes. was the Jacksonville Jaguars halftime speech of whatever the F was said no, in that know, Titans no, locker you know room was, or you know before. Was, it wasn't the halftime speech. It was the Derrick Henry fumble going into the in the red zone. That's what yeah, it was. But uh, in that game, I believe they received the football to start the third quarter. They did. After they scored a touchdown to end the first half. So right, that, that's, that's the my, point. No, is, my point it, is they had their early. opportunity to, to get exactly. the ball, mount a drive, and go win the game. And they couldn't do that. It was a four and eight football team, Austin. It was a bad football team. So don't argue that. That's why it that's my point. It is nothing because it doesn't matter if you are a good or a bad team. If you were four and eight or two and for life that the Texans were at that point, it didn't matter. They were gonna lose. It's nothing. I, I still think it's something. It makes sense to me. The Titans you, you were you can think that, but no, yeah. I mean like and, and so somebody mentioned all that all the Jags losses were by one score, which it's close, but not quite. Uh lost the commanders by six, that's one score. Lost the Eagles by eight, that's one score. Lost the Texans by seven, one score. Colts by seven, one score. Giants by six, one score. Broncos by four, one score. So that's their first six losses. Yeah, we're all by one score. Uh, but then the Chiefs guys, by 10, the Lions blow. Guys, be quiet. This is the NFL. Be, they, you lose by one score. That's that's how the NFL works. Are you kidding me? Like, don't sit there and say one score. It's the National Football League. Every effing game ends on one score. So Except that's for, a bad, that is a bad take. Well, I'm calling I'm, bad take. I'm not saying I was just going through and fact checking that comment that was getting some attention. So and I'm fact checking the fact that it doesn't no. matter if you're a one score loss, you lost. And most games are one score losses in the NFL, regardless yeah. of the football team. No, I, again, yes, I subscribe to that line of thinking. Zach. Right. Again, so that means nothing to me. I, I do think the Titans losing eight of their 10 losses to the divisional round teams is something. It well, makes sense to me. Kick it, kick it right here. If the, and we knew this at the time. If the yeah. Titans beat the Jags, the four and eight Jaguars at home in Nashville, Tennessee, they're out of the playoffs. You yep. stomp on their throat. They're dead. Bye-bye. AFC South. Here you come. Crown them. Rest the rest of the year. Literally, and, and don't play anybody the rest of the year. It's useless. You've lost your tie breaks to all three of the teams. You don't have a tie break against the Chiefs, the Bills, or the, the Bengals. Done, done, done. Mm -hmm. That's it. You lost to a bad team. So it didn't matter. It's nothing. You lost to good teams. You lost to bad teams. And, and I'll, I'll say I, this. I'm mic dropping. Where's my mic? I'm mic dropping. 
No, I've, proven, he, he got, I've proven way too many points for this topic that I am no longer. I, I, I have I nothing think, more to say. Zach, I think we're on the same page with like the well, actual analysis. No, I think it, it's something because it makes yeah. sense. Now, now, so back on the the Titans Jags first game. Yes, the Titans could have eliminated the Jags uh, in that spot, and the Titans would probably be in the playoffs. But you know, a lot of things happened. But here's who you blame for that for the Titans losing that game. You blame Dennis Daly. You blame Nick Westbrook-Akine. You blame Derrick Henry and Todd Downing. Those four guys cost the Tennessee Titans that football game. That's fine, but I'm they're just, a four and eight team. Right, <laughs> bad those, team. But didn't those matter if they were guys, a playoff team. They wouldn't have been a playoff team. That's the right, point. But though, but it <laughs> that's happened. why it's nothing. But they, those because because that's two of your losses. I understand. But again, well, I, look, the, the graph that, so I'm, I'm, I am done with this topic. I've proven my, I've stated my case. That is, I, I rest my case. Yeah. Um, again, I, I still think, you know, I still think we're, look, we're both, I think we're both. Uh, it, does, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. All right. So let's move on to Tuesday sports trivia, Zach. We've got five questions coming up. I'll update our overall percentage record with our trivia. We've got some work to do, uh, but first tell everybody about Wilson County Hyundai. Wilson County Hyundai. Now I will argue that that is something because it definitely is something right there. Wilson County Hyundai has something for you and your family, whether it's a full-size SUV like the Hyundai Palisade, third row seating, all the bells and whistles, or maybe it's a four-door sedan. That's something in the Sonata. Ooh, I love that Sonata. I absolutely love that Sonata. They also have the Elantra. That's something. The Tucson, that's something. The Santa Fe, that's something. You got a battery-powered something right here with the Ionic. You hop in that bad boy, cruise it to 88, and drive wherever you want to go. That's Wilson County Hyundai. You need to drive there today or this week and check out your perfect make and model. That's WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Also, don't forget, download the BetMGM app, and today, use code ATOZ200. All you got to do, new users, you you download the app, you sign up with code ATOZ200, and you put $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA team tonight. And as soon as a single three-pointer is made in that game, that's $200 in free bets in your account. It is literally the easiest $200 you could possibly make with the BetMGM app or any other sports betting app, and you should always use BetMGM because they are the best. How many three-pointers are made in NBA games? Like uh, dozens a a night, right? You just need one. It doesn't matter who or what team shoots it. So a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA team tonight automatically wins you $200 in free bets when a single three-point shot is made with BetMGM code ATOZ200. All right, Zach, it is time for Tuesday's Sports Trivia. We have gone through 55 questions in this new setup uh, where we do five questions per week, four sports, one non-sports. Officially, our record, we are 36 of 55. That is 65%. So we've got work to do. There's less room for error. I think we were four and one last time, right? Yeah, <clears throat> so that bumped us up uh, a nice bit. You know, 32 out of 50 to 36 out of 55. So we, we need to continue to stack four in one days. Uh, but with the less amount of questions, now it's harder to, to get out of that hole quick. We so. have we have one 
non-traditional sports question. We have three Cowboys sports questions, and we have one war sports question. So War. War. What okay. is it good for? Absolutely nothing. nothing. Let's start with the sport of polo. What is the term used for the dis- defensive player in polo? The number one, the chucker, the goalie, the number four. We need to get Prince Harry on the phone. I know he plays. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll talk to us. He's talking to everybody now. He plays polo. He knows polo. I don't know polo. So, uh, so I want to quote a Trick Daddy song right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> What's Trick Daddy up to these days? Uh, re- read the question again. The, the, the question is, in the sport of polo, what is the term used for the defensive player? The number one, the chucker, the goalie, the number four. So there's only one defensive player in polo is what we're learning. I don't know. That's what it says. I've never played. Noah says, I think it's a number, but not sure which one. The chucker? The chucker. The chucker. Dwayne says goalie. We're getting a lot of Marco jokes. Uh, David says the chucker was George Costanza. Uh, We got number four coming in here. And we're seeing four. So I say we go four. And again, reminder, uh, no Googling. So I do think Number four needs to be our answer. Let's lock in number four. No Googling allowed. Number four, final A to Z. A polo team consists of four players, horses and riders. The number four player operates closest to the goalpost. His job is to guard the opponent's number one or offensive specialist. The chucker is a period in a polo game. Normally, the chucker is about six minutes in length. The number four is the term used for the defensive player. Okay. All right. So we're one and oh. I did not know that about Polo. Which of these wide receivers who played for the Dallas Cowboys graduated from Texas Christian University or TCU? Terry Glenn, Brandon Middleton. Cedric James or Antonio Bryant? Man, I remember Antonio Bryant. He played for the Bucks too. Tournament mm-hmm. meniscus. Which was these wide receivers, or which one of these wide receivers graduated from TCU? Terry Glenn, Brandon Middleton, Cedric James, or Antonio Bryant? Yeah, well, it's not it's not Terry Glenn. Um, Jameson says Cedric. Cedric James. <clears throat> Not yeah. Cedric Benson. Or Cedric Wilson. Bryant played for Pitt. Like the Panthers or the Steelers? He also, uh, well, he played for both. He yeah. played for the Steelers. Well, he not even played for both. He played for the Steelers. But did he go, did he go to Pitt as far as college? Um, I Let's go C- Cedric... So David says Antonio Bryant went to Pitt, Pittsburgh, like the university. Okay. And then um, we've got Cedric James is the most popular answer because we know it's not Terry Glenn. 
You want to lock that in? Let's go Cedric James, final A to Z. Antonio Bryant graduated from Pittsburgh. Okay. Brandon Middleton graduated from Houston. Mm. Harry Glenn graduated from, and now I remember this, Ohio, the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Cedric James graduated from Texas Christian University. All right, so we are 2-0 and starting here. What former Dallas Cowboy was shot and killed in May of 2005? No, there's no multiple choice. It's a submit. Oh, man. I wish we could text Mauricio, but we can't because that's against yeah. the trivia rules. So, again, no Googling, no texting a friend or calling a friend. Shot and killed in 2005. One more time, read the question. Who was in the cocaine ring that played for the Chicago? Was it Hurd? No, he was a wide receiver. Oh, I guess he wasn't killed. I think he went to prison. No, that was that was. Uh, What's his name? Oh. Bald headed guy. Oh my God, Sam Hurd. Sam Hurd. But he didn't yeah. die. Marion Barber recently passed, but that was not a murder situation. Unfortunately, that well, I mean, neither would be fortunate, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> um. Shot and killed 2005. We got to go before the Googlers. Yeah, I mean, I you know, this is more your alley than mine. With the Cowboys in 2005, think about you were in early college. This was right. This would have been right after a year or so after Sean Taylor was murdered. Because that was 2004. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to submit. I don't know, but I don't know. Nobody. I mean, Leon Lett says Billy, but I think I don't think Leon Lett is was murdered. I think he's still alive. We need to submit something. I don't know if we can submit a name because now we're either going to like kill somebody who's not dead. Well, that's you know. That I happens. mean, what's what's a name we can go with? It's not Leon Lett. No. I I think mean, we just have to... No submission? Yeah. I mean, there's no name. There's no way we can do this. We Dang. just miss it. All right. Let's see what the answer is. Cowboys running back during the 1995 season won a Super Bowl ring. He was killed during a shooting near his home in Atlanta. He also played for the Los Angeles Rams... This Cowboys running back was named David Lang. I uh, no. I Dwayne got that. Dwayne got it after you started reading it. I was still off. I had no idea. So two and one. All right, we got to get these last two correct. Last Cowboys trivia. Bob Lilly was the 13th player overall to be selected by the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL draft. True or false? Man, Bob Lilly is a all-time great. Uh, I've never heard of that name. You've never heard of Bob Lilly? No. He's a white defensive lineman in the 70s that was like a badass. He's like your... I mean, I, yeah. Jameson says true. M. Schwift says false. 
I want to say that it's true. I want to say it's either the 13th or the 5th. I don't know why those two things ring in my head. Ed says true. Jeff says true. Yep, number 74. Yep. He's one of those like old men now that's got like gnarled fingers just because he was kicking ass. Yeah. I think the majority says true. I I think we should say true. I say we go true. True final A to Z. 1961, Bob Lilly became the first player to be picked by the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL draft at 13th overall. All right, three and one. That was big. So now we got to wrap up with our non-sports question to to get out here on a good day. Where is the tomb of the unknown soldier located? This is a war question. Where is the tomb of the unknown soldier located? I mean, how how specific are we getting? City or New York, Pittsburgh, Virginia, or Washington, D.C.? Tomb of the unknown soldier. I think it's my first thought was DC, right? Like everybody's saying, yeah, Arlington. Well, Jake says Arlington Cemetery, which is Virginia, not DC. It's Virginia then. It's because it's at Arlington Cemetery. So in Arlington, Virginia? Virginia. Yeah. Dom says Virginia. He was in the Army. Arlington Cemetery in VA. It's Virginia. Final answer? Final A to Z, Virginia. Bingo, bingo. Arlington County, Virginia, across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. So almost a trick question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's real close, right? Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, located in the Arlington National Cemetery. Bang. Four and one. Back-to-back four and one weeks. That means we are at 40 out of 60. That's easy math. That's two-thirds, 66.6% right so there. So we improved how many percentages? We improved by like 1.2%. So Yeah, but, but we're chopping away five at a time. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's chopping. like going eight and two. That's big. Yeah, it's a big one. That's good. So great job, everybody, on that four and one. Look, the 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 Cowboys player that we didn't have an option for, that was just always going to be tough. But. David, Rest in peace, David Lang. Yeah. Yeah, for real. 2005, a long time ago. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for us on this Tuesday. And don't forget, we've got more Titans coverage coming out. Sam Phelan working on an article right now, I saw there in my chat here. But that'll be up at A2ZSports.com with some news around surrounding Jim Schwartz. So that's A2ZSports.com for all of that. And more reaction tonight. Buck Rising Live with A2Z Sports Primetime at 8 p.m. Central Time. And Zach and I will see you guys tomorrow on a Wednesday morning at 8. Appreciate it as always. Talk to you later. Adios.